Kia ora. My name is Marianne Cotter and this is the Horse-Human Connection, how we learn from horses. My guests throughout the series and I all know the outside of the horse reflects the inside of the human. From dreaming about horses as a young girl to now having two beautiful steeds, Thomas and Frosty, I know that my horses have taught me way more than I have ever taught them. So I started this podcast to speak with equine industry people and connect with others around the world and share the horse-human connection, how we learn from horses. Welcome along to the season finale special edition episode of the Horse-Human Connection, how we learn from horses. CJ Dorr with you this time behind the mic and our guest, your guest, is your host throughout this amazing series, Marianne Cotter. Welcome. Kia ora. Kia ora. And what I want to do in this episode is allow the audience uh, an insight into your horse-human connection, your background, your experience, how you got involved, and also your inspiration in the moment that the podcast came to light. And I think that was on a ride that you were on with friends in the South Island of New Zealand, where some horse behavior just gave you a little idea that maybe this can be turned into a podcast. Oh, yes. I was uh, I was out on a on a trek actually a, a, a two-day um, trek up in the southern alps of the south island yep and um you know on a massive farm and um every we're way up in the foothills of the southern alps and every corner around the vista was just incredible yeah. you know it was like wow look at this next lot of mountains we're looking at and you kind of realize that your horse feels exactly the same <laughs> And is looking at the view like, wow, look at that, mum, isn't that amazing? Like, you know, we're, we're so connected in similar ways. I mean, they are different and their brains work differently to ours, but and we probably humanise their responses. But it really got me thinking about how connected we are and how much I personally have learnt from my horses over the years. Mm. And... You know, even just a little cliched old sayings, loosen the reins, you know, get back in the saddle, um, you know, tighten the reins, um, uh, you know, the horse is bolted out of the stable. Like all of those old sayings that have been around for years and years and years are relevant to emotions. Right. You know, you need to loosen your reins on your life. Yeah, sure. Tighten the reins. Tighten the reins. Okay, okay. Tighten, you know, tighten up, tighten your belt, tighten the reins. Um, So across the board, it exists. Absolutely. For everyone, even if you're not horsey or even if you didn't realise. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Get back in the saddle. Yeah. Get back doing da-da-da. Like, you know, there's often a cross link to riding and horses. So I think... um, that's kind of an aside, but what I've learned from them that relates to my own life. Yes. Um, those old sayings, you know, really relate. So, um, where am I going with this? Um, I, yeah, I have learned so much about myself and my journey and my behaviours. Right. From my horse. Sure. Now, the one thing I suppose that the, the, the high concept we talk about that it goes back to, which is how we learn from horses, that yeah. horse-human connection. Mm. Um, you know, um, what did you think 
would come out of this with your guests throughout the series? I mean, the one thing is that you probably knew that the horse-human connection must surely be universal. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And was that confirmed with your guests because we had just private individuals to vets to equine managers of you know secondary school programs to dressage instructors so was that did that ring true absolutely yep absolutely and it was really interesting to hear you know internationally from sarah looking yes. at working horses in in um, oman in oman and then you know um animals that are you know high competitive horses about the feeling that the humans have for their animals was the same yeah uh, the horses was the same so you know from the vet to the you know to the um adjustment owner to the um rider who mm. started later on in life the feeling is the same mm. and i suppose it's the same as people who love dogs etc but um it's it the feeling is the same internationally really and i think um you know what we learn from horses at a deeper level is very universal. Right. The love that we get from them, the learning that we learn about ourselves, what we can learn about them mm-hmm. and how they are as in a herd or as, as, a, as a big animal mm. is just such a passion. And have you experienced that only horsey people kind of get it like some people say i'm a dog person i'm a cat person or whatever but if someone is absolute novice and is the most i've had to do with horses is driving past them in a paddock would they get it could you adapt do you think oh absolutely because if they have it it's it's kind of weird i find so you know so many of the people that came on our um, podcast about i think over 50 percent said i didn't come from a horsey family yeah. So there's nothing in their past that makes them related to horses. You know, it's quite a it's quite a small percentage of people that that grow up with horses. You know, lots of people grow up with dogs and have a love for them, but you know, in our country, probably not as many people grow up with horses. So the the passion and the love is kind of in your DNA, right? Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. Necessi- not yeah. necessarily in your immediate family. But somewhere way back, probably we're all connected to horses, depending on what what part of the world you're from. But yeah, so it's kind of in your DNA. So where am I going with this? Um, I think um, yeah, even if you have not uh, had a lot to do with horses, you know, I I and I know a lot of horsey people will say this: the amount of people that will say, oh, "I love horses, I love being around horses, I wish I could be around horses, I really want to ride a horse." It's just something I've always known I wanted to do is very common or you know like i told you when we first started developing and designing the the um podcast you know when i was trying to buy a house many years ago and would go straight from riding my horse and my crappy old jobbers and and riding boots and be taking them off at an open home door and the real estate agent would be standing there usually a middle-aged woman to be honest and saying oh do you ride and looking at looking at me longingly (laughs) and i'd say yeah they go, oh, I used to ride, sort of look out longingly. You could see them going, I would love to do that again. Yeah. So it's a passion that never goes away, which I, I suppose all passions are the same in that way. But the great thing about horses is, is that you can be involved with horses without ever having to ride them. Interesting. You know, you can nurture them and care for them. And 
um, be around them. That's a really interesting point because, you know, in Homo sapiens have only ever domesticated two animals, which is cats and dogs. Mm. And even then, if you open the door, some may not come back. Yeah. <laughs> but... Depending on the food source. Yeah. There's, it's not often that you have... I mean, I don't know if you call a ho- horse a pet, but... Um, uh, you're riding it, which is so different. You yeah. can only you can cuddle and pat and scratch a dog and a cat and go through, play ball and yeah. cuddle up and but oh, yeah, it's so d- different. You're riding this. Yeah. So the yeah, it, absolutely. So you know, horses. You know, I think we probably humanise the emotions, but I think my horses are affectionate in their own way, but they don't like to be fawned over all the time. They generally right. don't enjoy it. Um, yeah, do you mean like a, a, a good scratch or just... Oh, yeah, absolutely love that, but don't want to be... Centre of attention? They don't want to be cuddled and yeah. and kind of fawned over like we would a dog or a cat. They don't... Or a newborn baby. Yeah, or... they, don't, they don't generally... Not hey, I'm generalising, but I, their brain doesn't work like that. They don't necessarily want to be, you know, be. They don't want you that close in their space. Yeah, a lot of the time. What do horses want? Are they like just let's be cool, let's be professional, let's look after me? I'll look after you, but like, what's? I think that you know they're herd bound animals. Their their brain is all about fight or flight generally flight i should say right yeah they're flight animals they're always looking for safety so um they will um they will do anything to make sure that they're safe so if you very much a flight animal so if you um if you um want to get the best out of them they've got to completely trust you Mm. so it's very much about a, a trust relationship with a human um I think they really like to please, but they've got to know what everything's got to be black and white with a horse. It can't be grey area. Mm. They've got the and you know the aids to get a horse to walk, trot, canter, go sideways, halt, go backwards, etc. Have to be very, very clear. Mm. Um, and on the grain, ground is the same. So they want they need to be able to trust you, and the instruction on training them needs to be very black and white. Mm. Um, so their brain. As much as we see them being quite emotional and, and, you know, you see them in a herd and they play and they are quite hard on each other. There's a hierarchy. Um, they, they don't have a human brain. Mm. Their brain works differently. That's interesting, that mm. black and white, because it's uh, going back to that, you know, don't, don't just, okay, a, a scratch is nice, cuddle is cool, but what, what are we actually doing here? Yeah. It's sort of. Yeah, or leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Give me some peace. Yeah. Mm. Now, the guests that we've had on, um, Actually, the one thing I'll say first is I was going to say, did you learn anything from your guests? And you know all of them, some of them very well. But I remember once, um, I'm just trying to think of her name, uh, Billy Connolly's wife, who's the... Pamela. Pamela. She's a uh, psychologist in her own right. And she had a, a talk show. And one of her guests once was Billy. Yeah. And she said after that, I actually learned something. I learned things about Billy. That the the difference between what's just a, a conversation in your own home, but then the a, a structured, formatted, different things come out. Wow! Did you did anything come out even that you didn't know or didn't expect from a guest, or was it 
really what you did expect about this horse-human connection and, and their version of that? Um, I think the commonalities were not a surprise, but in, uh, quite interesting that, mm. you know, everyone's journey has been quite long and varied, but the passion is the same. Mm. Um, and co- fairly consistent. Like, it's not something that you put down and pick up again. It's for life. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. Generally, everyone has had a lifelong passion, whether they had it, came into it later on or right from the get-go, it has been part of who they are. Um, I think that was a commonality that I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I probably... Um, no, I probably nothing was a surprise. Okay. Yeah. But really nice to hear all those individual stories. Oh, and absolutely. Versions of that. Yeah. Um, so we broadcast from New Zealand. Um, a lot of people around the world who uh, make contact give an example of what their version is from where they are and their backgrounds. Yeah. Um, Again, that commonality, it is, we know, a, a universal thing, the horse-human connection. Mm. Um, what would you say to paint a picture about the New Zealand horse scene for those who um, have their own image of New Zealand, what it is like? I mean, most people in popular culture we think Lord of the Rings territory, but <laughs> yeah. what about the NZ horse scene? Not just our geography, but the opportunities or what it looks like? How does it start here? Well, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky, I think, um, compared to other countries in the world. We have, uh, um, well, you know, have had quite a lot of land. Yes. So the opportunity for us to um, have horses is probably a lot easier than other countries. Um, you know, we can stable our horses, but we generally have them out in a field. Um, we start off um, as children at Pony Club. Um, we've got a lot of pony clubs around the country. Um, and so, you know, the opportunity to have a horse in a grazing situation or on a farm is a lot easier. Um, I think it, we're typically quite number eight wire, you know, with kids riding around in second-hand gear. I know I was one of those kids, and, mm. and um, you know, a cheap first pony is kind of still not as doable as it used to be, but it is, it is very doable um, still, although we all know everything's going up in price, but it is easier, pretty easy, really, to be around horses in New Zealand if you are really passionate and you want to be. Mm. Um, we're never so, too far from farmland, No, we? we're not. Yeah, we're a big farm, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're not, never too far away from a horse, and a horse in an open paddock. So I think because we have, and, and look, I'm, I'm not the expert, I'm only um, thinking about conversations I've had with others, but because we have had, um, you know, a lot of land and a lot of opportunity to be out jumping and and, mm. and galloping around paddocks, New Zealanders are very good eventers. Mm. You know, you think about badminton and burley in a competitive scene, and a lot of New Zealanders, you know, from Mark Todd mm. to um, Janelle Price and other fantastic eventers do so well because of the opportunity we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, dressage, um, we, we're getting there, but we... We probably haven't had the opportunity to have the European breeding of a amazing dressage horse, mm. um, although that is changing. And of course, racing—you know—we oh. we breed incredible. A lot of cup winners. Yeah, cup winners and and um, incredible trainers and breeders here. So we're quite rounded from a um, equestrian perspective. Um, and generally, you know, it starts early. 
Mm. Um, but like we found out from from some of our guests, the dream may be there for years, but because of lots of different other family and, and things going on in people's lives, they can pick it up later on, like a couple of my great friends have. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I had, in primary school, uh, sat beside a girl, um, Amanda O'Brien, and as you remember the old wooden desk, you'd lift them up, yeah. and all your favourite stuff would be pinned on there. Yeah. Hers was just horses, 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 yeah, horses. So and, uh, you know, just a basic average working family who, you know, got a, a pony for her. But there is an element uh, for anyone who's, I guess, on the fringes looking in that anything horses is Range Rovers in private schools. Not the case? Oh, uh, look, I don't I don't completely agree. Yep. Like I, um, you know, myself and other people I know haven't had massive budgets. Yep. You buy your gear second hand. Mm-hmm. You know, you you buy um, you 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 um, you don't have to have the really expensive horse. You can go in with someone else's horse. You can ride other people's horse if you're prepared to do some work and help out. Mm. Um, like anything, you know, the equestrian um, supplies have got a lot bigger with with the global opportunity. You can buy you can buy show jackets on board online or mm. jobbers that are second hand you know I, i'm a great believer in vintage don't you know, everything doesn't need to be brand new you know we can yeah it's okay to have second hand gear and you know horses that maybe aren't right for for a certain sport or a certain person don't click with someone they may click with mm. you and you're not going to have to have the perfect horse to start with maybe you need to need to get a cheaper horse that you Mm. You know, depending on what discipline you want to do, or whether you just want to hack around the countryside, you've got to, you know, you've got to build that trusting relationship and train that horse well. And it doesn't have to be mm. thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, when I was a kid um, uh, in the seventies um, and early eighties, my parents never took me anywhere. Mm. I had the saddle on the front of the Raleigh Twenty with the old white helmet and the bucket in the back, and I biked for miles to see my horses. Yeah. Um, because the passion was so great and, and, you know, I think it's about if you've got a child or someone that w- wants to be interested in horses, they will make it happen. And it doesn't have to be um, thousands of dollars with the Range Rover and the flash float on the back. It can be yeah. get on your bike and yeah. get to a local paddock and ask if they need a hand with something. I guess that comes back to the horse-human connection, how we learn from horses. Um Horses have no clue of the dollar value of a car. They just know the connection. It's such a great leveller, isn't it? That is our concept. Massive leveller. They don't care what you look like. They don't care um, what gear you put on their back. Like you're putting in, you know, a saddle is another dead animal being put on the back of a horse. Right. You know, for to them it's it's a... It's a it's a dead animal, right? Yeah. So we we, we, we require quite a lot of them. Yeah. So um, yeah, they don't care what you look like. They don't care about the gear. They they want to know that they can trust you. You've got a good relationship. That you're um, not going to be stressed and rushing around. They like you need to be calm and in the moment, focused. They just want they just want a partnership and to feel safe. Yeah. That's how I see them. Other people might go, oh, no, they want this and that, da, 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 da. but I, I think and I think most of my friends will agree they just want to feel safe, they want to have an, they want to have, uh, an interesting, varied experience with humans. Mm. Um, they don't want to be sitting in a, in a paddock as a, as, a, as a paddock ornament. They need a life that's interesting. They, if they are in the wild, they'll be roaming. Mm. So, you know, they, um, and, and they, they want to have adventures. They want to get out and about and stretch their legs and mm. and um, have a good life. And I think that's 
what we all want. Yeah. So the learning from them is amazing yeah. for an adventurous spirited human yeah. that I, you know, a lot of us are. Awesome to talk to you. Um, Marianne Cotter is my special guest today on this uh, extra episode to summarize the series and um, chance for you to all know a little bit more about Marianne. Um, such a cool concept, such a great creation. Marianne is the uh, the founder, the creator of um, of the podcast. Season two, absolutely on the way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just finalizing some amazing people to talk to. Awesome. And, and, uh, and we'll do that. And for those who are listening around New Zealand and around the world, um, keep the messages coming in. Uh, tell us what your story is. Um, we love to hear from you. And we love hearing from you. Um, I think that's a, a special edition extra episode wrap. CJ Dore with you, executive producer, usually off the mic, but back on to uh, help you learn more about your host, Marianne. So thank you, and season two on the way. Thank you. This has been a Dore Brothers Studios production with executive producer CJ Dore and co producer Marianne Cotter. Giggles. <laughs> You're delirious now. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.